Welcome everybody, Future of Beauty Unfiltered, episode 10. I cannot believe we're on episode 10 already. It's been a very busy few months. I am Hannah Cook, Head of Growth and Innovation, and I've even brought little cold with me this week, so it's going to be an extra nasally one. Sorry, guys. But more importantly, we are talking to the amazing Mark Blake. Welcome, Mark. Hi. Good to see you again, Hannah. Yes, I was so excited. Honestly, we've been chatting for ages and I've been so excited to get you on this podcast. So I'm so chuffed that you've taken the time out your busy schedule to join us today. Um, Mark is, we're going to be talking to Mark Blake. Now, what is Mark Blake? What does he do? So many questions. Well, I'm going to embarrass you now with a little bit of an intro here, but you are an internationally recognised Harley Street trichologist. A trichologist, you say? What is this? Well, it's a thinning hair specialist. So obviously you've worked in the hair industry now for over 40 years and subsequently yeah. have looked after over, this is quite a lot, quarter of a million heads of hair. That is a lot of hair. Um, obviously known, you know, knowing how hair should look and feel. You've also taken part in product testing for global hair care brands such as uh, Nioxin, L'Oreal, Weller and Dyson. Um, Amazing. You you have multiple clinics, don't you? Obviously, you've got your private kind of consultation clinics in London's Harley Street, Liverpool's Rodney Street and Gloucester Clinic. And your expert advice is obviously helping decide the course of treatment that is right for you when you are experiencing hair loss, whether that's men, women suffering from thinning hair, hair loss, to help regain that confidence through a variety of treatments and procedures, including you know, things like transplants, alopecia, um, and so much more. So I've been so excited to talk to you today, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm going to jump straight in with the first question. You're a trichologist. What exactly is that? Well, a, a trichologist is somebody who looks after hair and scalp disorders. And so um, it's one of those things where not that many people know what we are, but to me, it's the next big growth thing within the hairdressing industry um, because we need to sort of make sure that hair grows thicker, fuller, stronger, longer. Um, and as most hairdressers are now are beginning to realize, um, if your client doesn't have any hair, they don't need a hairdresser. So it's in their interest to actually, uh, you know, send people to people like myself. And, and there's a lot more trichologists now uh, around. When I first started, you know, it was very sort of niche. However, trichology has been around since 1902. So it's not a new thing, although it's the new kid on the block. It's the new Moroccan oil. It's the new GHD. Um, so everybody is sort of recognizing it and wanting to get on board now. And uh, I think this is our chance for hairdressers especially to, um, to to look at hair a bit differently so we're actually sort of uh, taking an interest in people who are losing their hair and it's an opportunity for us to actually um, stop it and um, keep their hair really so you know my job is one is to look after patients I look after a lot of high-profile celebrities um, people in the media pop stars things like that because they want to keep their hair looking as they've always had it looking but I also have uh, taken up the mantra of um, uh, getting the trichology buzz out there around the world. So, you know, with working with companies in America um, and sort of Europe and Australia. And so I'm, I'm always doing um, a lot of trichology uh, to, to around the world with other hairdressers and trichologists, really. So, yeah, it, it is the new big thing. And I think as most of the British hairdressers of the year, uh, send patients to me now. It seems to be that I've been recognised as this sort of um, uh, sort of go-to person that uh, uh, will give the honest advice. And I work with hairdressers uh, to get the maximum out of their clients, really. You know, so I first met you uh, two years ago at the British Beauty Week, and I remember listening to you talk about um, just hair in general. And it was fascinating. I mean, you referred to yourself, I think, on the panel as the hair sniffer at the time, right? It's yeah, kind of big... I, I, <laughs> I do do a lot of hair sniffing, you know. I, I'm known as a hair sniffer and uh, I teach people how to sniff hair. And it, it's not something that hairdressers uh, should probably do. But as a trichologist, I'm always looking for clues. I always say I'm like a Sherlock Holmes. So from the moment I sort of shake your hand to see if your hand's cold, if your nails are soft, um, I'm, I'm looking to see what, 
information I can get. And, and sometimes sniffing hair will tell me if there's bacteria, infection, when you washed your hair. It gives me lots of clues. So I, as I'm coming towards you, I'm scanning you, looking for lateral thin in the eyebrows, uh, maybe some sort of excessive facial hair, for, for some dead skin on your shoulders. Uh, do you have um, bad hair one side rather than the other, which might be nothing to do with hair. It could be what we call handbag hair, like you've got a chained handbag that just ruins your hair one side. So all the time I'm looking for clues because when I ask people about their hair in a clinic, I know they're not always going to tell me the truth. And uh, it's a bit like when you go to the doctors and he asks you how much you drink. Everybody lies. He knows you lie, you know he's lying. And so we have this whole sort of thing. So I've got to get as much information as I can, as quickly as I can, so I can sort of um, use my questions in the right way to probe uh, the information that is coming towards me, just in case you're not telling me the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Wow, I know, sneaky, sneaky customers always telling porky pies. Yeah. How, so how did you get into trichology did you is it is that how you started did you start as a hairdresser like how what was your journey to actually becoming yeah I, I was a hairdresser um I've been a hairdresser um since sort of leaving school I did maths physics and geography a levels and uh, got into Mensa with 152 IQ and learned to program in two computer languages when I was at school and so it was a natural thing to go into hairdressing uh, as most hairdressers but, <laughs> No, it was one of those things. My, my mother was a hairdresser, my brother was a hairdresser, so uh, I just thought I'll give it a bash and, and loved it. And so uh, the one thing I realised that I was really good at was actually cutting people's hair who had really fine hair and baby hair. So I used to give a lot of advice and hairdressers used to send people to me um, to actually help their hair. However, I actually wasn't qualified and I thought, well, I could be talking a load of, you know, gobbledygook so uh, I needed to go and get qualified as a trichologist and uh, so once I got qualified then I realized that I needed to sort of get on this journey really because trichology isn't a very sexy subject you know it's 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 not something that sort of you know many people sort of shout about and so part of my mission is to make trichology a bit sexier and a bit more out there really that people accept it and know what it is really and uh, there was even something on I think it was the um the, the chase or something like that the other day asked what a trichologist was and so I thought crikey you know it is starting to get out there and the fact that most of the main hairdressers around the, the UK and around the world now actually message me asking for questions I know this is sort of happening and they they realize that uh, nobody else is really sort of doing this in the right way and so, um, you know, I know from the amount of clients, or I don't call them clients, I call them patients, obviously. And because, you know, clients are when you do it as hairdressing, but patients are when you actually are dealing with them in more of a medical way. And, you know, we're looking at nutrition, uh, we're looking at sort of, uh, contraception, uh, we're looking at hormones. It could be anything. You know, there's over 50 different reasons why um, women could lose their hair. And the problem is that, if people find one issue while they're losing their hair, they tend to give up and then they say, oh, my hair's not got any better. And so it's quite often you can have two horses running. And, and a really important thing I, when I'm teaching um, for various companies, um, I always say to them, when you do your initial consultation, the one thing to say to the patient is, if your hair looks exactly the same in six months time, that's a success because hair loss gets worse it doesn't get better left untreated because mm -hmm. the one of the things you have to safeguard yourself with is that somebody is saying well i've done all this work you know i've used this shampoo and i've done this and my hair looks exactly the same and then that sort of it, it's a positive but they turned it into a negative so i think you have to cover yourself and make sure and that's where a lot of people a lot of hairdressers uh, can come unstuck because they say well i've used this shampoo now for six months and it looks exactly the same you say great that's a success remember when i said to you when we first met and so yeah you have to make sure that certain things are in place because it's a bit like when hairdressers try and sell retail and somebody says no they get deflated and they don't want to, they don't like hearing that word no and they don't like asking um the next person 
And so uh, it, 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 it almost sounds a bit inappropriate, but sometimes, you know, when we were younger in a nightclub and uh, you asked somebody out and they said no, did you go home in sulk or did you just go and ask somebody else out? And everything, you know, in the hairdressing industry is a bit of a numbers game, really. So you have to keep things real. Hairdressing is really interesting, I think, because there's kind of the, so the trichology end, obviously, where it's the health of hair right you know it's about growing good hair and I think a lot of the time we just assume that the hair that's on our head is just it is, it is how it is and actually that your diet and your lifestyle and everything else has no impact on that it's just hair it's just there you know it's always grown since the day we've been born um but then there's the other end which is it's far more kind of aesthetic and so there's I think with hairdressers you kind of assume there's a lot of pressure put on hairdressers sometimes to expect them to know every magic miracle answer when it comes to how to kind of grow hair you know why isn't it growing fast enough why you know why can't I have it in this style or and it's all very much around you know the amount of people that wear extensions or things that to give that kind of look of thicker healthier hair um when people obviously think of beautiful hair and this was one of the things that was a game changer for me actually you said this as well when I first met you around so there seems to be an invisible line from when it comes to women from kind of the hairline back. Yeah, where there is. Kind of There's an invisible hair. line on your forehead that where you're willing to spend money on beautiful long calm or whatever, you know, sort of beautiful products on your face. And then this invisible line at the top of your forehead where you just forget and abuse and think, well, I'm not spending that on a shampoo. And, you know, scalp health is directly linked to hair health. You know, if you imagine you've got between 100 and 150,000 hairs on your head, you grow between 0.3 and 0.5 millimeters of hair a day. So if you put that 0.3 and 0.5 millimeters end on end, multiply it up by 100 to 150,000, all those little bits mean you'll grow if you add them all up together, 36 meters of hair a day. You know, it is the second most prolific cell producer in the body after bone marrow. And you will only grow 36 meters of the good stuff out of what you eat or retain. So you have to actually make sure you're feeding enough um, goodness into your body to grow 36 meters of the good stuff. You'll still grow 36 meters of the weak iffy stuff, even if you have a bad diet. But who wants to grow 36 meters of the weak iffy stuff? And so, you know, part of it is actually making sure we grow this great hair. And, you know, it takes around about 160 calories to grow one gram of hair. Wow. So, you know, we, and this is a sweeping statement, but, you know, women are always on a diet. They're fatty eaters. They're constantly looking, you know, what's the latest fad to eat this or that. And quite often, a lot of these restricted diets are restricting calorific intake. And then they wonder why they've actually sort of not got his great hair. Because, you know, your hair needs this energy. And um, your body, your, your hair is like a, a, a secondary type cell. Um, so your body needs the energy for your heart, your lungs, your kidneys to keep you alive. And so if you're not getting enough calories, it diverts the energy to those organs and shuts it off towards the hair. So it takes a secondary role. So, you know, restricted diets can be great to make you lose weight, but they are great to make you lose hair or to grow thinner, skinnier hair. So we, we have to take everything in the balance. And if you imagine your hair is around about 85% protein, it doesn't take a genius to work out what you got to eat to grow good quality hair. You need protein. And so we all the time, we're needing to sort of feed our hair. And, you know, men get very few um, nutritional issues with hair because they're constantly eating. They graze. Women don't, and like I say, this is a real sweeping statement. I probably get into trouble for it. But most women don't tend to eat breakfast until about 10-ish. Um, and because they're on the go, there's too much going on. And so... You know, your body only stores the energy um, for about four to five hours. So once you've woke up, uh, you've eaten at eight o'clock at night, you've, you're already in a, in a deficit, really. So, you know, and women tend to notice it more because they've got longer hair. And um, so all the time we're having to think, how can we sort of 
hedge our bets to get better quality hair. And you might have, um, you go for your normal sort of color and all of a sudden it doesn't work out quite as good as it used to because the, the blonde, it, it sort of tears off or something like that. Well, it might be nothing to do with the actual colorist. It could be because you're growing weaker hair. And, you know, sometimes we always look to blame, oh, well, they've done this. But mm. you forget it might be you who's actually not been growing a cotton blouse. You've been growing a silk blouse, which sounds lovely, but you can't treat a cotton blouse and a silk blouse the same. So, yeah, there's lots of factors to throw into the mix, really. And do you know, you've, you've touched on something here, men and the differences between men and women and, and the hair challenges. And I think that's always really, really interesting. So if we start with women. Women are obsessed with growing long, thick, shiny, luscious hair. Um, you know, I think I've spent my life growing my hair and then I go, I'm bored. And then I cut it all off and then I go, oh, I want it long again now. And then I go through the process over the next 18 months of growing it again. And there's definitely, I think I've, I've seen, like you've kind of said, a massive shift in the industry in the last two years, maybe, maybe 18 months where the phrase scalp health versus health, health, hair health is coming out a lot more because people are actually starting, and it's all becoming a lot more holistic, isn't it, in hairdressing? Yeah. Um, people are really starting to kind of push back and say, well, actually, there's only so much I, as your hairdresser, can do. This is the canvas I have. These are the things you can do to improve the quality of your canvas. Um, and that's where kind of you were saying that trichology is coming into the mix a bit more. So you've got kind of the women's side. What, what, what do you think are kind of the three key things that women should be doing if they're trying to kind of grow healthy hair. And then obviously you've got men on the other hand who are suffering more with hair loss. And that's a whole nother story, yeah, right? So, so the one thing is nutritional, whereas men tend to lose it because of a uh, sensitivity uh, to a form of testosterone. And so women tend to get this more once they uh, reach the menopause and perimenopause. So it catches them up, but in a different way. So men get this hormonal issue earlier uh, and women tend to sort of have more of a nutritional issue um, but however the hormonal issue can happen uh, with um, PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome uh, different forms of contraception um, and then as they go go towards the menopause they get a few more manly traits and so excessive facial hair and uh, thin into the sort of what we call the vertex uh, or hairdressers call the crown in the top. Uh, so, yeah, it, it does catch them up. But we we approach these things from different areas. And so I think the one thing that we all need to sort of take care of is uh, our scalp health. And there's this this whole myth about how often you should wash your hair. And, you know, our, our mothers and our grandmothers said we shouldn't wash it too much because we wash all the natural goodness out of it. Well, that was probably right in their day because products were pretty awful then. But now products are really good. You know, they contain humectants that take moisture out of the air and put it into your hair. So they're sucking in moisture to your hair. And so you can almost wash it as often as you want. So there is no, oh, wash it once a week, every other day. You know, you don't have to wash it every day, but it actually won't hurt your hair or your scalp if you do wash it every day. And so I think, you know, the whole scalp hygiene thing is, is a lot more really. And we need to give our scalps a little bit of a bit more of a rub. And people who are losing their hair tend to wash their hair like an apprentice on their first week. You know, it's a bit like pushing a, a wet fish over the head, really. And so they, the people who are losing their hair tend to sort of worry about washing it too hard. And we, we yeah. need to give it a little bit more vigor. And one of the things, you know, I, I do a lot of teaching classes. And so next year, I'm going to be sort of teaching around uh, the country. And so, you know, it's the hairdressers to come in sort of listen to a bit more about trichology um, because uh, the one thing I've said to you before is that I think that the the hair loss in industry could be the savior to the hairdressing industry um, because there is no let up in the hair loss industry and I think the hairdressers uh, need to sort of get on board with this really because you know business is quite tough for hairdressers and so the one thing I've found is that I have never been so busy and uh, people are not price sensitive. 
um, in this. I charge in my Gloucester in Liverpool clinic £225 an hour and in my London clinic £540 an hour. And uh, I think I'm too cheap. And nobody's ever moans that I'm too expensive. And people think I'm really good value. And I am because I give my heart and soul to it. That is... Not the pricing point. <laughs> why do you think? Why do you think people are? Why do you think you're so, you know, so busy as a trichologist? Why? Why is there? Has, is there a shift? Yeah, I think uh, that the one thing is that we look in the mirror. We we live in a a, a very uh, Instagram world, unfortunately, and so uh, nobody likes how they look um that's why everybody seems to be using a filter and so um everybody wants to look like somebody else but those people don't look like the way they look anyway um so we're, we're constantly judging ourselves and you know holding ourselves to to ransom emotionally really when we look in the mirror so we want better hair we want to be able to do things with it um and you know the, the one thing I get very emotional about is the people who are really, really losing hair. It's great, actually, if I can just thicken somebody's hair up and give them the hair they deserve. But it's the people who that are really losing it. And, you know, your heart goes out to some of these people. And, you know, we'll, we'll try every sort of thing we can. Um, and, you know, sometimes it can be that we... Um, can only do so much and they, they might need a wig they might need a hair transplant but i think the fact that you've exhausted every opportunity you know one of the treatments i do is a stem cell activator to increase stem cell activity uh, by 70 percent because i want to actually see if we can turbocharge the hair from within and it's a bit like using um miracle grow on your hanging baskets you know your hanging baskets are going to grow anyway but if you use miracle grow on them they grow even better and so sometimes we need to if we've got the nutritional levels and everything else in the right set then we need to come in and turbocharge the hair but you know it's finding out it's it's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle we're finding out exactly what we need to do because it's pointless using some things you know and i, I you know i hear some people say oh drink aloe vera and things like that and that's never going to do anything for your hair so you know and the other the, the big myth at the moment is the biotin myth and the collagen myth sort of thing collagen is great for skin um, but there's no evidence that taking collagen will do anything for your hair. And, you know, biotin is the other thing, um, is that biotin is essential for sort of growing, you know, great hair. However, nobody is deficient in biotin. And, you know, we have this big thing that doctors say, oh, take biotin. But, you know, very few people are deficient in biotin. So a lot of people waste money on the wrong things. You know, they're, they're not necessarily going to do anything bad to you, but I'd rather you spend your money on what works and concentrate on, on the good things rather than sort of things that are just not going to make any difference. And then you're going to lose sort of face with it, really. Mm. Are there generic things that I know, obviously, a lot of the time you go very personal, it's all bespoke, right? Because it's based on their own metabolisms, you know, nutritional challenges. But are there kind of generic things that people should be, thinking about if they're wanting to grow better so you've already said that you know in your view biotin isn't something that you should be investing in i think vitamin b12 is it is one of the things that b12 i mean women are classically deficient in b12 you know so your um your, your gp will probably only worry if your b12 level is under uh, around about 180 um however if your hair i'd want it to be between four and five hundred so, you know, you go to your doctor, there's a problem with your hair, and uh, he says um, your B12 level's fine, and it comes in at something like about 225. Well, it's always going to be rubbish, your hair, because your levels just aren't high enough, but your GP works on minimum sort of levels, uh, you know, and bless your GP, they are there to make sure you're not going to die. And, you know, at those levels, you are not going to die. And so they have done their job. Uh, however, you know, hair is seen as cosmetic. You, the chances are you're not going to have the best possible hair. And I want you to grow that optimum hair. So I'm looking to fine tune all your levels to make sure all those little bits add up into a bigger picture, really. Mm. It's kind of hard for GPs, really, isn't it? Because they're, they're, they're kind of, 
jack of all trades, master of none, so to speak. And so, like you say, there's kind of maybe that's why trichology is kind of seeing a bit of an uplift, really, um, because people are realizing they're having to go and speak to specialists to try and start having a better understanding of where their hair issues are. I mean, particularly with men, you know, um, men, they when you lose hair at quite an early age, that's quite an emotional thing. You know, there's obviously this trend amongst people about having healthier, fuller hair, even amongst men, particularly at the moment, as you've just kind of touched on. But there's a lot of emotional repercussions um, around hair loss. Um, and you must see quite a, quite a wide range of that. I mean, my sister, bless her, had leukemia um, last year and, you know, had to go through that kind of process during her treatment. And I know that you work with a lot of people that are recovering from kind of cancer and treatments as well to help them understand on how to grow that hair again. What what kind of things do you see when you're working with people that are going through hair loss at quite an aggressive scale? It, it is a really emotional sort of time. And, and I, I cut a lot of people's hair off who are going for chemotherapy um, when we're, we're prepping them for wigs and things like this. And, and the one thing I always do, I, I call it the money shot because I, I cut their hair off and I get them to hold the hair in their hand um, and a big smile because, you know, some of these pictures they don't want to see now, but in a year, two years time, because a lot of my patients I look after for years. And so they have this sort of great memory. And a, a lady uh, whose hair I shaved off actually on Boxing Day last year, um, she's just brought in uh, her old wig for me because her hair is growing back through now after her treatment. And I... I say to my patients, it doesn't matter what day it is. And, you know, if it had been Christmas Day, it wouldn't have made a difference. Uh, as it was, it was Boxing Day, so it was, it was nearly. But when they start their treatment, they don't know when their hair is going to come out. And so I just say, you have me on speed dial because I don't think your partner should do that for you. It's quite barbaric shaving somebody's hair off. And so I think that should be me, that they come in looking one way. I've already prepped a wig. And so I shave their hair off, put the wig on, and they go out looking exactly the same. Um, and so there's that transition because, you know, life's hard enough for them. But also sometimes it might be that we're looking at um, scalp cooling as well um, to, to actually keep about 50% of the hair. Because, you know, going through on this emotional journey, if you can keep your hair, I think that enables you to... Uh, feel a bit more prepared for this journey. Uh, the fact that when you go into Sainsbury's or whatever, that nobody's looking at you because you've got one of those sort of scarves on um, when everybody knows what's going on. And so if you've got just 50% less hair, uh, which is about what you should be able to keep with some scalp uh, cooling, if it's appropriate, you know, and that's down to the oncologist. But some of these things are on offer, but guess what? Only if you ask for them. So if you don't ask for them, I mean, one of the things I do on my courses is to actually, you know, say to the hairdresser, you know, it's very tough when your client says, um, I'm not going to make another appointment because I don't know when I'm coming back because I've got cancer and I'm going for treatment. You know, what, what do you say? You know, do you watch Strictly? Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a terrible conversation. So it should be, right, ask your oncologist if you can have scalp cooling um, you know, it might be appropriate, it might not be, but guess what? If it is and you keep your hair, you've got a client for life because mm. you, know, you are the person who actually saved their hair because quite often these machines are there in the corner, but only if you ask for them and they don't push them because they increase chair waiting time and not being funny, this is a time in your life to try and think of you and um, be a bit selfish and say, no, mm. you know what? I know I'm having the treat, but can I have this as well? And uh, at least ask. If they say no, fine. At least you know you've asked. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very much, I work with my patients to, to do everything we possibly can. We leave no stone unturned. And I'm, I'm probably the most passionate person about hair loss, which is a really bizarre comment, but you'll ever meet. Really. No, I think it, and do you know what? It came across, I remember when you were speaking, it was so, it's so obvious when, when you meet you that, that that is something that you live and breathe. Um, and I think hair loss, you, you know, when we think about hair, right? Oh, it's a huge part of our identity. Yeah. 
Totally. We look in the mirror without it. I mean, you know, luckily, luckily for men, you never see a bold man it doesn't suit. However, um, that doesn't apply to women. Very few women look better bold. So, you know, we want to keep those. You know, if you look like Jason Statham, you look great without any hair. But, you know, not all guys look like Jason Statham. So, you know, we have to sort of work to our strengths and see what we can do. Absolutely. Um, what, what are kind of the key things that cause a lot of hair loss? And how can hairdressers better help identify and help their clients? I think uh, the one thing that hairdressers um, are very... Uh, good at noticing uh, loss of density. So loss of density is one of those things where uh, hairdressers can say straight away, oh, I, I think your hair's not it's got as much oomph. So if we can sort of get a bit more oomph back here and, and engage in that conversation, because the client is automatically uh, going to be looking on Google. And if you're not giving the right answers, they are actually going to uh, start buying things that don't necessarily work. So yeah, just get in there that they want to talk about it. So don't think they don't want to talk about it. And you only notice that you've lost um, hair once you've lost about 50% of it. So you're already going a little bit under the water. So we need to get you at least that you're treading water. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's definitely challenging, isn't it? Trichology, um, for me, I mean, the way I kind of understand it, as you've kind of said, it's, it's quite a holistic way um, of, of looking at successfully growing healthy hair. Um, and a lot of the time, as you've mentioned quite early on, beauty starts from within. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've already said there's a link to nutrition, a link to supplements. Do you work with other experts when you're actually working with your patients? Like how, how do you like to work? Yeah, um, whatever it takes, uh, you know, it takes. And I, I can call upon, you know, I've had to call on uh, favors from um, surgeons in Miami, um, and you know, I'm I'm not scared to actually send a GP a letter, a, a shitty letter, um, whatever. Really, I don't want to be their friend. I want the best thing for my patient. So, uh, uh, no matter what it is, I'll, I'll I'll know somebody who can help if it's something mm -hmm. out of my remit and say, right, here we go, and uh, let let's go on to this. And mm -hmm. a, a lot of the surgeons I work with, I've had to break down barriers with uh, a lot of the surgeons now. Um, I like to work by WhatsApp, um, which for surgeons seems to be, for, they like a good old fashioned letter, you know, and then two weeks later, their secretary then replies back to that letter. And then that takes another sort of 10 days to two weeks. And it just takes so long. So. Uh, most people I deal with now is in WhatsApp, uh, surgeons, I'll WhatsApp them and then I'll say, <laughs> you know, let, let's let the paperwork catch up. But, you know, my patient's in front of me and I want them to have an answer today, um, you know, that when can I get them booked in with you? So, yeah, I, I'm quite demanding when I sort of work with uh, surgeons and, and some of them are phone and, you know, I expect them to answer my phone call on a weekend because I work weekends. I work seven days a week doing this. And so on a weekend, I will accept a text. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, to me, the patient is everything. I'll sort of coach them, mentor them, what to say to the doctor, um, uh, at what point to sort of cry to the doctor if they need to to get our own way. So, yeah, anything I can do to help them, that's what mm. I do. And I, I, you know, I come away sometimes pretty exhausted. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, my VIP patients, yes, pay more. Uh, they pay sort of £5,000 for a six-month unlimited access. And so they can phone me 24 hours a day. Uh, my other patients, um, they tend to, uh, my normal patients, uh, that as part of their sort of treatment they can email me from six in the morning till midnight and seven days a week and i'll respond so i i think that's a pretty good service because you know i always say right we've got six months to turn this around and mm. uh, so you know you, you've got unlimited access to me for that six months we can once we've done the first fact finding we can do a zoom we can do a, a FaceTime call, whatever, uh, mm. so, you know, let, let's throw everything at this. But if you're watching, you know, the one show and they say, oh, this is great for your hair. I said, don't buy it. You message me and ask me, you know, is it great for your hair? Uh, because mm. it might not be the, the perfect thing. So 
hairdressing in like let's talk about brands for a little bit so there's a lot of different it, hairdressing is a very saturated market and there's a new hair care brand coming out what feels like every other day at the moment um in your view are there any kind of leading brands that are are actually kind of being quite innovative and leading the way when it comes to scalp health and talking about hair health in a different way i mean i know for me um, Avida's always been one that's up there because they even have ranges where they take into consideration cancer patients and all those kind of other things. Like for you, are there any kind of shining stars in the industry that? Yeah, Avida um, is uh, one of those things that so I've always loved that because it is a, a natural sort of product, and and especially cancer patients are looking for more of a natural product. I, I work a lot with uh, Nioxin um, because uh, it. It is one of those sort of products that can really sort of um, get you thicker, fuller hair. And I always say it's great because uh, using their sort of product uh, can fake it until you can make it. And so, you know, we're very impatient these days. So we want sort of instant gratification. So if you can fake fuller hair, you know, then while you're making it underneath that's fantastic but uh, the one thing you have to remember with a lot of products that are faking it they are they're only working while you're using them the moment you stop you've still got the same pretty rubbish hair so we have to make sure that you're using the appropriate treatments at the same time um, because we, we just want, need to make that better hair grow from within or to stop whatever hormonal issue uh, from impacting on it. And obviously, you know, the menopause, you know, is the big sort of thing these days. And uh, if you haven't got the menopause, then, um, you know, you're almost untrendy at the moment. And so we need to, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we need to cover our bases with the menopause. And it, and it is, it's a, it has huge impact on the hair. So we need to sort of get in early on the menopause because, you know, prevention is better than cure, really. Well, do you know what? You are doing a cracking job at transitioning to my questions today. I'll tell you that, Mark. You're doing my job for me. Because okay, um, actually, as I said to you earlier, I didn't read your questions before you came up. <laughs> I know. It's brilliant. You could just talk. So menopause, you're right. Menopause is a really big topic at the moment. I think people, it's not just women, men as well, but women in particular in the later stages in life have some serious hormonal shifts that happen um you, you know and menopause does have a big impact on not just their hair but their skin their emotional well-being lots of physical kind of signs and symptoms um how can trichology help with women that are perimenopausal because technically it can start from as early as 35 yeah and and some women you know can go into very very early menopause so uh, it, it's all about sort of lowering estrogen levels and uh, um, it can be that you know how can you say sort of um, the, the whole thing with it is that HRT became very unfashionable and now HRT is very fashionable and HRT is fantastic for most people's hair um, but it's still got a little bit of bad press. And, but there's lots of different HRTs out there. So just because your doctor puts you on one HRT doesn't mean that's the right one for you. And we get easily fobbed off because quite often doctors, and this is another sweeping statement, probably get me into trouble, they put you on the cheapest one there is. <laughs> and, you know, it is just, it's, it's a cost thing and they have their favorite hairdressers have their favorite colors within the shade charts. Doctors mm. have their favorite um, sort of ones. And, and, you know, there's loads out there, but that doesn't mean, you know, I had a patient who had a heart problem and, um, but it, the medication was impacting on the hair. So we just wrote and asked the doctor if they could change, if she could change this heart medication to a different mm. one. And yes, they did. And her hair was much better. And quite often, don't just accept it. And I think that's the one thing that you, just because you're given this HRT, if it's not suiting you emotionally, um, mentally, physically, you know, ask, say, you know, can I get this? And, and that's where sometimes I'll say to people, you know, say to the doctor, have you put me on this? Because it's the cheapest one. You know, mm. is there another one? 
I think sometimes a lot of people don't actually know what they don't know though, right? So I, I know when I first started my learning journey in the menopause world, and we work with some amazing brands that, that work in menopause, um, that HRT is very much this blanket statement and yeah. it's seen as this magic silver bullet and it's not it's a bit like with contraception you kind of sometimes have to actually try a few different ones until you totally. find the right one for you and it's exactly the same with hrt but i think for consumers you don't know what you don't know right and you don't know that people have preferences and you don't know that you can go back and ask for something different you don't even know sometimes if there's that variety available and a lot of the time I think particularly with women you just accept it don't you you kind of go ask oh, what i've got you know this is this is my lot so you, you know with the hrt you know it's great um you know being uh, able to get the right hrt but it it will only help so much if your nutritional levels um are correct and if you have just always remember that your nutrition is the petrol in your tank so if your car breaks down it doesn't matter what's wrong with it if you've got no petrol in your tank. So you have to make sure there's some petrol in your tank, really, because if you're running on empty, HRT is not going to do anything for you. You know, So make sure that the petrol is in your tank, your nutritional levels are right, your scalp health, the, the cleanliness of the scalp is you know, really sort of good. You know, but the one thing is, I, I, I don't know when this is sort of going out, but you know, for everybody in the new year, you know, how this often is going out for wellness month so new year so well you know how often do you actually clean your hairbrush hannah oh my god you put me on the spot now oh so i don't use hairbrushes i use tangle teasers and okay. i clean i clean them probably once a week okay well that that's Is that really that's bad no no well on average that the on average, most people's hairbrushes will contain around three and a half thousand colonies of bacteria oh. per square inch. Oh my goodness. Uh, what I was just about to say, I couldn't tell you the last time I cleaned my round brush. That's so, what I was just about to say. And that's oh, per no. square inch. So, you know, I, I think everybody's New Year's resolution should be clean your hairbrush because, you know, all you're doing is getting dead skin, letting the, the bacteria grow, and then you're just spreading it around a little bit more all the time. You know? Oh, my Lord. All right, best way to clean your brushes then because that's another – honestly, cleaning brushes for me is a really weird thing because – some people say you've got to have certain kind of solutions. Some people just say you shampoo. Like you could just use a shampoo, right? Because the, yeah. the shampoos nowadays aren't good enough. Yeah, shampoo, good enough to you know, get some of that hair out as well. Uh, you yeah. know, you should just give it. And if you're sort of cleaning it, I mean, hey, try, try and do it once a month. Uh, you know, 12 times a year. It's not a lot to ask. How often do the girls clean their makeup brushes? You know, hopefully, you know, it should be a, a sort of thing. If I'm cleaning my make, makeup brushes, I'll clean my hairbrush as well. Because, again, you know, we, we abuse our hair and our scalp. We spend all this money on our face and this invisible line. And, yeah. You know, but some of this bacteria is getting spread around. And, uh, you know, hence why I'm sniffing people's scalps. <laughs> smelling bacteria and, you know if your loved one's coming in for a hug the last thing they want is a a good old whiff of bacteria really oh my Lord. do you know what i remember after i first met you the first thing i did was get on amazon and order myself a little uh scalp exfoliator and it was a game changer my yeah, scalp exfoliators are fantastic they oh. love eating dead skin they oh. and i always say it sounds quite rude but uh, it cleans out your follicular orifice uh, or your orifices and and there's nothing better than the clean follicular orifice you know you should be able to see into your follicular orifice it should look like an old-fashioned inkwell that you could just see in where the hair is growing slightly but most people's mm. are sort of clogged up when i when i look at them microscopically most females especially that come in see me who think they are scrupulously clean by the time they've seen their scalp they are horrified because they're like my god i i, I feel so filthy <laughs> well as a as an ex-hairdresser i've always been really into a good scalp scrub yeah but but 
My hair had never felt so clean after that first time I used that exfoliator. And I actually went and bought one for pretty much every woman in my family and said, do not wash your hair without using one of these. Ideally, you know, you should do it about once a month, really, because it just it helps regeneration of this of the scalp. Um, and, and we're looking to take the dead skin off. So uh, the, the, the blood supply and the sort of the follicles, I've got a nice health. This is the soil that your hair is growing out of. And we want to keep it, you know, in the garden, you keep the soil sort of tended, but quite often we're not tending to this soil. We're just abusing it. And then this hairbrush comes along with all this bacteria and spreads it around a little bit more. And so, yeah, when you think about it, we, we, we've got a little bit of work to do really. And I think, you know, educating hairdressers to educate the client really, because, you know, it all uh, helps on um, uh, shampoo sales, uh, scalp health, uh, mm -hmm. growing better hair, growing thicker hair, so we can color it more, we can actually do a lot more things. And, you know, even hair extensions, my job is with a lot of high profile wags and pop stars is to make sure that their extensions don't fall out. Well, you know, if they, they're having these extensions in to make the hair look thicker, but if the hair isn't strong enough to take it, um, mm. and it's going to be a bit, bit of an embarrassing situation as they're coming down the red carpet and their extensions are starting to sort of fall out on the floor. Mm. It's really interesting, isn't it? I think there's definitely loads and loads of different opportunities where hairdressers, and not just hairdressers, but actually the bodies that educate them and bring the hairdressers in, in the first place. I know that's something that Millie's really passionate about with the British Beauty Council is actually yeah, making well, sure that education is done right. Also, I think that um, when you go to the dentist now, they do an oral hygiene check. And if you go to the dentist and they didn't do that, you'd think you were a little bit undersold. And mm. part of one of my missions is that as hairdressers, when we sort of do uh, either a consultation, we're cutting people's hair or we're coloring people's hair, we go through every single section and we should say to them, I'm just going to have a little look at your scalp to check there's nothing untoward. Because, uh, you know, I've seen a huge rise in scalp cancer. And, and, and I'm not asking hairdressers to say, oh, you've got scalp cancer. And what I'm asking hairdressers to say is, I don't like the look of that. I think you should go to the doctors or we'll keep an eye on that because I've not seen that before. I just want to check it's not got any bigger. And so, you know, you can be the hairdresser that saves somebody's life. And I think that eventually part of our consultation, uh, we will actually say, I'm just going to do a quick scalp check to make sure that everything is in order. And this will mm. be, as we get more professional, this is something that will help us to be more professional. Absolutely. And it's helping their clients long term to have that better canvas, isn't it? You know, well, they're the ones. I, it's, it's one of the things that, that you know, I... Um, I still cut hair a few days a week, um, but it's building that sort of um, trust and, um, you know, that you're telling people the truth and that they, they buy into you because you are, you're, you're this fountain of knowledge. You know, I'm telling them what they should be eating for breakfast. And even when I'm sort of cutting their hair, I'm, I'm discussing this, I'm checking the shape of their head. And, you know, a, a new client that comes into your shop uh, might be uh, sort of, looking around and judging you up against the last salon they went to. And so, uh, you know, mm. they got their head down. So the chances are they're looking at your skirting board, but you know, to stop that, I'm sort of feeling their occipital bone and I'll check the shape of it. And I'll say, Oh, I think you've got some Irish ancestry um, <laughs> or you've got some Eastern ancestry because of the shape of that. And straight away they're like, you know, and, and I'll tell them something about how they should look after the hair or whatever. And they'll say, you know, I've been going to the hairdressers for 30 years and nobody's ever told me this. And, and I think, you know, while we talk about hair, the, the client uh, or the, the patient, the client, whatever you want to call them, they are very interested in it. And if you can tell them something they've never heard before, they've stopped looking around the salon, they're looking in the mirror and they're nodding and uh, they, they want to know because you're giving them something they've never heard before. Mm, and it's a huge part of someone's identity. It yeah, really is. Totally. It's so massive. And, you know, back to what you were saying earlier around we're living in an age of people are more aware. I think because people are online. Like I've, I've spent this whole time there's my face right on the camera. Like we just, we're constantly on video calls now. We're constantly on our phones. We're on FaceTime. So we're more aware than ever before about all of the 
little nooks and crannies of our physical beings that we do or don't like. Um, and, and so it's a big part of your identity, whether you're trying to improve it or just actually keep it. Um, and it's really important and hairdressers have a responsibility to, I think, advise their customers as much as possible. And I think you're absolutely spot on and, by educating it will them. help their business as well. Like I, mm. like I said earlier in the interview, I, I think the hair loss industry, ironically, could be the saviour of the hairdressing industry um, mm. because uh, there is no shortage of people losing their hair. 50% of the people going past the salon are losing their hair in some form or another. And uh, not all of them want help. But a lot of them do, and a lot more want help than I can deal with. And so I think it's one of the things that the more hairdressers that get on board with this, really, and realise, you know, this should be a string to our bow. We have colour specialists, we have cutting specialists, and why shouldn't we have a thinning hair specialist or, or a scalp, a hair and scalp specialist? So, yeah, we need to really make sure that uh, we're offering this service now, really. Um. I have loved talking to you as I knew I was going to, Mark. Thank you so much. I have one final question for you today, um, which is a question we ask everybody on every podcast. We have a lot of kind of brand managers, marketers, people that work in the hair industry listening to this. If you could give, as a trichologist, one piece of advice to anyone listening to this today, what would it be? As in towards their hair or... Um... Whatever whatever you want to give. It could be towards their hair. It could be towards how they communicate with their clients. Well, I, I always say, you know, enjoy what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. And, um, you know, I enjoy what I do. But my, my top tip really has to be eat breakfast because breakfast is the most hair important meal of the day. You know, if you want to do your hair a favour eat breakfast and uh, you know eggs are great protein anything for breakfast really just get some breakfast inside you that will set your hair off to start growing that 36 meters of good stuff for the day really so yeah that's my top tip oh amazing well mark it has been an absolute pleasure and um, this is going to be coming out in january which is obviously our wellness month so perfect timing thank you so so much for all of your time today um i hope you have as we're recording this before but i hope you have a wonderful christmas as it's absolutely chaotic for you i know and um guys if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast today or you have any questions please don't hesitate to get in touch at podcasts at the we'll see you in january for wellness month and mark it's been a pleasure thank you so much <laughs> <laughs>